right, it is that time of year here in the offseason. We are kicking off our top 10 list position by position as we do each offseason. Starting a little early this offseason, but we're going to break down the catchers and we'll be giving you one of these each week. So let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It's Dylan Campione joined alongside Nico Fernandez and Henry Kalani. I know a couple of you were looking forward to our episode. We were planning on having Billy Bean on this episode, unfortunately. Unforeseen circumstances, not going to happen today, but we're looking forward to making that episode happen at some point in the future. But instead, this gives us the perfect opportunity to start our top 10 list. And as we do every offseason, our co-hosts here will give you guys a breakdown of who we think are top 10 at each position, starting with the catchers. But of course, we love hearing your perspective as well. So if you want to get involved in the conversation, let us know. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Side Retired Pod. The DMs are always open, as well as our email address. We're always looking through those for fun fan takes. SideRetiredPod at gmail.com. Catchers, how are we doing, Nico Henry? I'm so excited. I was only able to get on one of these last year, but the fact that I think I'm going to be able to get on Maybe all of them, hopefully all of them. Like, I'm excited to do my lists. And hopefully I'm not dead wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. Henry, how are you feeling back in the saddle for these? You know, it's it's real blast from the past. Um, and frankly, sometimes when I look back at these lists, I question my ball knowledge. But, you know, it's, it's a fun time to be a baseball fan game to speculate about who's going to do what, and then eventually looking back once you make the All-Star, once you hit the All-Star break and seeing that you're just oh so wrong. Absolutely. And we can start off because, again, we're going to do catchers. How this will work is we'll all talk about our top tens and then the ones that were submitted by a couple of our listeners as well as some people that are associated with the podcast. Co-host James also submitted his list. And then we'll get into basically discussing all the players involved. So let's talk about number one that was unanimous among our three as well as all the others submitted by people around the podcast and listening to the podcast. Adley Rushman is the clear number one catcher in baseball, and it's not really a debate anymore. What's it like getting to watch Adley, guys? I mean, for me, when I was constructing this list and when I constructed them in the past, the one thing I look at is ceiling. And when I looked at the guys on this list, my big thing is, could I see any of these people winning MVP? And the only person I saw was Adley. I mean, from the game one, I remember seeing... Red Sox against Orioles. I was like, okay, Kluber on the mound. Let's see what happens. And seeing Adley take an inside cutter deep, just easily. I was like, okay. Like Adley's, the, and then he goes and hits a triple. And I'm like, Adley's just the best catcher in baseball. Started from game one, in my opinion. And one through 62, it was him. I think he's the best. He has the highest ceiling. I also think that with guys aging, he probably may have the lowest, the highest floor. So I think he's just always going to be at least the best performing catcher. At worst, he's top three catcher every single year for the foreseeable future. Henry, your thoughts as another AL East fan getting to experience Adley Rushman 20 times a year? I mean, he's just, he's so fun to watch. Like, even when he's just raking against your team, which he underratedly does against the Yankees, he low-key destroys us. He's, he's great. Like, and he's a likable dude. He's, he's a great face of baseball. And I think that, obviously, we're going to be seeing him succeed for years to come. And there's, there's a reason why he's number one. He's that guy. So then let's get into, there's another tier of guys that 
Um, there's going to be a lot of different arguments who should be two, who should be five. And that's basically this really good upper class, but not Rushman. That's guys like JT Realmuto, Will Smith, the Contreras brothers, Sean Murphy. So I'll let you guys pick as Henry, you have Jonah Heim at number two and Nico, you have Will Smith at number two. Take us through the thought process of how did you get from that basically upper echelon of distributing who should go where? Yeah, you know, I tried to, at least with Jonah Heim, I tried to fight off the the ideas of like of recency bias, right? I, I think I fought it off well with Gabby Moreno, who had a great playoff run. Um, but Jonah Heim was just absolutely great this year. He was a solid bat. He was a great glove. And he sort of exploded onto the scene, and it really feels like he is only he's only going to improve, right? I think I don't think you're gonna find many people saying that Jonah Heim has hit his ceiling, right? He has things that he can work on in this in the upcoming offseason, but at the same time, I think that he has proven to be a top five catcher in baseball, and with the upside that we can see next season, that's why I put him at number two. Yeah, I'm personally not as high on Jonah Heim, and that's for some other reasons. But Will Smith, I think, is a big thing that you look at at the catcher position is defense and then just some offensive consistency. I think you have a lot of guys in the league who are kind of defensive specialists. So we really put the offense to the wayside. When you get, get guys like Will Smith, who's had an 800 OPS every single year, this year was at 797, three points off, he hit 800 OPS. Guys like JT, who are just the epitome of offensive consistency with above average defense, the value that that takes is, in my eyes, a lot above. I think that, yes, Jonah Heim may have the potential to be here. He also has the potential to regress. He regressed in the second half. I think Will Smith is the epitome of consistency, the new, the young. I, I see him as a young JT from the consistency perspective. So for me, I think he gets above JT. I think he gets above everyone else because I see him being an 800 OPS hitter for a foreseeable future. And I think that combined with his above average defense is the type of consistency you need at an offensive position that's lacking. How about Sean Murphy? Because that's a player that's definitely going to be debated on this show as well. Nico, I believe you had Murphy at number seven. Uh, Henry, I believe you had Sean Murphy as high as number three. I had Sean Murphy in a similar spot right in between number six. So what are our thoughts there? Personally, for me, um, I was expecting a lot from the trade. I, I was kind of like expecting it to go well just because he was on the Braves. I mean, when you're on the Braves, stuff works. And for the majority first half of the season, it worked. I mean, he was everything that you expected for the Matt Olson trade, just the, a different year. I mean, he had an 1,000 OPS through the first half. Absolutely smashed the cover off the ball. We know he's a good defender. The thing that brought it down for me was his absolutely abysmal second half. Had a 600 OPS, 585 to be exact. I mean, the guy just couldn't hit water if he fell off the boat. He was awful. I think that, again, my... My personal opinion is when you have such a stacked lineup, someone tends to regress. I think in the second half, it was Murphy. I think when you're going to have guys like um, Acuna, Albies, Matt Olson, I think that he's going to get dropped by the wayside. I think he's going to start to regress. And I think we're going to get a little bit closer, not too much closer to that 585. I think we're going to start seeing maybe a 720. And just remember, there was a lot of potential within the last couple of years. But the 999 that we saw in the first half, was really out of the ordinary for Sean Murphy when you look at his last offensive seasons. So I think we're going to get a lot closer to like a 750 OPS than we are an 850 or a 900 OPS for him. Henry, defend your guy. 
Yeah, you know, I well, I'm going to start this off by not really defending him. I'm going to say that I wish I had dropped him a couple spots. Um, but, but at the same time, I think that and just like the first half was out of the ordinary and a positive when it comes to offensive production for Sean Murphy. I think that the abysmal second half, like we've seen it happen to to better players than Sean Murphy, right? So I think that I think that it's fair to say that with with a coaching staff as consistent as Atlanta and a guy who's and a guy as consistent as Sean Murphy, because that's sort of what he's been in the early parts of his major league career. That Sean Murphy is going to be a solid offensive catcher who will provide you like everything you need defensively. And so, uh, at least personally, that's why I put him at third. Looking back, do I think that I probably should have dropped him a couple spots? Yeah, but I, I, I can also live with putting him at third. Let's also get to another debate, and that is the brotherly love, William Contreras versus Wilson Contreras. I had William slightly above Wilson. Nico, you had William at three and Wilson at five. Henry, you had William at four and Wilson at seven. So it seems like we're pretty universal. We're buying the younger brother, William, being on top. Yeah, I mean, William Contreras and Wilson Contreras, I mean, I don't know what their family did, but they did a remarkable job at creating catchers. I mean, William and Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras, obviously, for longer. Um, just amazing catchers. I think a lot of people, I'm going to harp a little bit on Wilson, even though I have William higher. I think that first half, it was all Cardinals were playing bad. I think Wilson Contreras, every single – nothing was going right for the Cardinals. Wilson Contreras really picked it up in the second half, and I think a lot of people didn't notice. I think that people were kind of caught up with the fact that he got moved to left, he got moved to DH, and he was out of the catcher spot, and people were already seeing the thing of t- worst contract, terrible contract for the Cardinals. But he really ended up picking it up. Unfortunately, it seems like his brother is just going to be – an absolute stud for years to come. Last year was an all-star with the, with the Braves, had an 860 OPS. This year, 825 um, OPS. Got even some MVP votes. I think he's young. I think his offense is only going to rise. And I think as he becomes a more of a star for the Brewers, I think that it's just going to be a lot of the weight's going to come on him as that primary righty bat, as it already has. And I think he's going to be up for the challenge. And I think he's only going to grow. Henry, yeah, I mean... We, I feel like we've talked about this a couple times, but it's pretty incredible what the Brewers do with mediocre defensive catchers because they've turned William Contreras into, okay, that was like a solid piece in a three-team trade, right? That's a piece that has some pretty high offensive upside. They've turned him into just as good of, an, of a bat and turning him into a really great defensive catcher. And... And he's somebody who the pitchers in Milwaukee have said that they love him catching them. And and it's it's that type of development that although they haven't been able to find playoff success, is why is why Milwaukee is one of the better development staffs in the league. Right. And I think William Contreras, he's only going to continue if not get better behind behind the plate, as we've seen. But he's will always be consistent with the bat, which is why I have that for. Let's talk about it since we've mentioned the word consistency. This guy has been the number one catcher in baseball for the last five to seven years, except this year, finally getting knocked off that number one spot. And that is JT Real Muto. I think we all still agree that he is a top catcher in baseball. Nico, you had him at number four. Henry, you had him at number six. I had him the highest at number two. Um, so I will give that argument as well in a second. But 
thoughts on JT Realmuto? Because I think the big thing about Realmuto is we know what we're going to get into with him. He's going to steal around 20 bases. He's going to hit around 20 homers. He's going to bat around 300. He's going to be solid defensively. And he's always going to end up being the all-star starter for the National League. I personally, in a position like catcher, where there's a lot of volatility and there's a lot of superstars that, yes, at their peak, we'll get to him in a second. Francisco Alvarez is better. Kyle Raleigh is better. William Contreras is better. Wilson Contreras is better than the peak JT Romito versus the peak of those guys. But I think the floor for JT Romito is a 800 OPS, 280 hitter, and still a middle of the bat order for the Philadelphia Phillies. And just with all these young guys of uncertainty, I'd still like the veteran leadership that JT Romito provides for the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, for me, it's kind of the question you get with any guy when they get to their early 30s. If they have a bad year, the big question is, is that kind of a fluke season or is that the start of his decline? And I personally think, I think especially with the rise of the young catchers that we're seeing in Adley, Will Smith, William Contreras, Cal Raleigh, Jonah Heim, Francisco Alvarez, I think that maybe not even because of his own fault, I think that's going to start to be his decline in the rankings because I think there's just so many catchers that have a lot more upside to be that consistent catcher that we've seen out of JT that I think that he may just, he may have the same JT year that we've seen a lot, but I think it may just be a thing where a lot of catchers are starting to hit a lot better offensively and still be a good catcher from a framing perspective and from a blocking perspective that JT moves down simply because his consistently drops consistency drops a little and other guys just become the young stars that we think that they could be. I don't think it's anything that is a knock on JT. I mean, at the end of the day, you give me JT, I'm happy to be honest. Um, the 20 steals out of a catcher is a plus, but I kind of see that the same as I see as a guy at first base. Like I, I defensively, like if you're a great first baseman defensively, like, fine. I, I really much rather you hit it over the wall. Catcher, same thing. Like, is it great that he steals 20 bases? Yes. Is it really something that I look for in a catcher? Absolutely not. So I think the fact that there's just so many catchers that are on the rise, I think JT, it's just natural as he gets older to fall off a little bit. Henry. Yeah. I mean, this I had Will Smith at five, JT at six. That's sort of where I put the guys where you know exactly what you're going to get. Right. I'm like, there's like the, the difference between their floor and their ceiling is not very much. Um, JT is, I think Nico sort of put it perfectly that he is, he's probably going to stay around flat, right? Like his, his output level is going to remain the same. And they're just people who are surpassing him at this point, both, both behind the dish and offensively. However, that doesn't mean that he's bad, right? Yeah. JT Realmuto, for a long time, has been the best catcher in baseball. He should be remembered as probably one of the best catchers of this generation. Um, I think, honestly, there's kind of an interesting case. If he can keep it up for, like, four or five more years, there's an interesting case for a Hall of Fame there, um, especially if the Phillies can bring home a title. But, yeah, I think that JT Realmuto is – he's just the definition of solid. I think, well, first off, you just gave us an amazing idea for a future episode of Mount Rushmore's of players in each position of our generation, but we will get to that later in the offseason. But let's also discuss, because at the bottom of our list, I think all of us can agree, in that 9 to 12 range, it's a lot of guys that we don't exactly know what we're going to get out of them, but there's a lot of potential, and we each decided on different players. Henry, you filled that up with Yiner Diaz, Cal Raleigh, and Kiebert Ruiz. Nico, you filled that with Jonah Heim, 
Logan O'Hoppy, and Francisco Alvarez. I went with a similar Yiner Diaz, Francisco Alvarez, and Luis Campusano. Henry, I'll come to you first because you're the only guy that found room for Kiebert Ruiz to fit on your list. What was this thought process there, as well as if you also want to go into a little bit of Cal Raleigh? Yeah, I mean, this was about guys who I really have, like, belief in. Right, Yiner Diaz, I think most people will agree. Overall, did not get a very fair shake this season. He showed that he had the tools to perform at the major league level, but was stuck behind Marty Maldonado, who can't hit to save his life. Right. However, what he showed, at least in my opinion, makes him a top ten catcher in baseball, and that's why I put him at eighth. Kiebert Ruiz, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce back to ten with Kiebert Ruiz. He's sort of my ultimate upside pick. Right. He showed he showed that he was able to produce at least somewhat. Um at least at a, at a league average level, right? He had a 93 WRC plus. Fine. I think that the youth plus the upside that he's shown will allow him to next year be a top 10 catcher in baseball. Was he top 10 catcher in baseball this year? No. But do I think that he will be able to develop into what is an under a sneaky good I don't, I don't know if we're going to call them good straight up yet, but a sneaky good Washington Nationals team that I think he's at the he's at the center of. So I think that that is sort of why I found a little room for him at the 10th spot over guys like Salvador Perez and guys of that nature. Now with Cal Raleigh, he had a down year, right? But I'm still in love with the big dumper of 2022 and what he did for, for them in the playoffs. And I think that it was very unfortunate for – for the Mariners, the way that the end of their season shook out, but honestly, if he, if he, if the Mariners had made the playoffs, right, and he had done, and he had done Cal Raleigh things, I think that nobody would have a problem with it, right? So if he lost a couple games at the end of his season, and that has sort of changed the, sort of the view of Cal Raleigh, the bottom of the top ten catcher, right? But he's still switching catcher who can hit for pop. It was fairly good behind the dish. I think that that's a top 10 catcher in baseball. Two things worth noting based on what you just said. One, it is a reminder here to our listeners that this is not looking back on the 2023 season, but instead we are trying to project who are the top 10 catchers during this 2024 season. So, for example, my guy Luis Campusano at number 10 by no means is a top 10 catcher based on statistics so far. But, however, in his small little 2023 sample size, he had a nice little 130 OPS plus. He hit 320. He hit seven homers in 49 games. So translate that over to a full season. That's a top 10 catcher. But as of right now, his statistics alone in 2023, definitely not there. But instead, we're trying to project who you should take on your fantasy team or who you think is going to have a big year in 2024, that sort of thing. But the other thing to note there, Cal Raleigh, in what we're calling a quote unquote down year, still had the most home runs out of any catchers in Major League Baseball. So I don't think... Anyone saying he sucks or that he's a bad player now, he's still a really solid hitter and a great guy to have behind the plate. Nico, I want you to discuss the Logan O'Hoppy because I tried my hardest to fit him on the list and I couldn't find room and you got him in there at number nine. Yeah, I want to start this by for something we've never done on this podcast. I think we hardly have ever done. Um, I'm going to actually give the Angels some credit Uh because, again, everything is valid with what Every single person says, I obviously agree. Mike Trout, 
have just decimated his career with anything, any chance of winning. It's been awful. Same thing for Shohei Otani. The fact that you've had two, the two greatest players of our generation and absolutely thrown their winning ability to the wayside is just terrible. With that being said, I really like the core that the Angels have. I really like wow. Logan Ohapi. I really like Zach Neto. I really like Nolan Shanuel. And call me biased because Nolan Shanuel is a Florida guy, and so is Zach Neto. And so and Ben Joyce, I saw throwing 106 in college ball. And Victor Medeiros is a Miami guy. Call me biased for that. But they've figured out Mini, Mickey Moniak, and they have Logan Ohapi. Logan Ohapi is had a very good year. I'm pretty sure he hit over 300 this year, which really went by the wayside. And he had an 800 OPS. I think that he's going to get better as he understands how to handle pitching. I think that his catching ability is a lot better than what it was this year. His pop time was a lot lower than what people expected to be. In 2022, in his small sample size, he was at the upper end, but this year was at the lower end. I think everything defensively is going to trend up as he gets used to MLB pitching. The two things that saw it for me is the biggest most important pitch in baseball, a fastball, hit very well. He had three runs above average, which is, again, he was above average hitter on the fastball. The other one is kind of the biggest pitch that's starting to come into the MLB, that sweeper thing, that slider that's not really excited, just moves like 20 inches of horizontal break, it seems. A lot of people can't figure it out. He was an above average hitter on that pitch too. So two of the most important pitches in baseball in 2024 – He's able to hit well. So I think if this core, hopefully they trade Trout. I don't want them to trade Trout from an Angels perspective. I want them to trade Trout from a Trout perspective. I want that guy to get long gone from LA to just go anywhere else to try and win a title. But I think the core that they have can really be something special and something sneaky. And I think it starts with Logan O'Hoppy. All right. We have to talk about him because you knew I was going to mention it. No, we don't. What do we do with Francisco Alvarez? Because there are months where he's the best catcher in baseball, including May of 2023, where he hit 300, had an OPS above 1,000, had seven bombs. It was a month of July where he hit eight bombs at a 974 OPS. Both of those months, he made our side retired team of the month. And then there's months like April where he hits 194 with, yes, I'm going to repeat this, a 494 OPS. And if you think that's low, wait till you get to August when he hit 139 with a 456 OPS. So again, Flashes of insane. Flashes of, oh my God, he needs to go back to Syracuse and AAA and figure out how to hit a baseball. I err on the side of, and this is the Met bias kicking in, that I think he levels out the playing field and he'll hit 30 bombs next year and he'll hit around 240 and he'll have an OPS around 858.60. And that's a pretty good baseball player, which is why I had him in the number five spot. Nico has him at number 10. And Henry, you did not have him on your list at all. So I assume you guys think there's a little puffery occurring and that he's not as good as I think he is. I mean, give your argument. I mean, give your argument for number five, because I, I'm fine with him in the top 10 for a lot of the things you said of, again, usually when people are hot one time, cold, especially if they're young, they regress to the mean. I want to know what you think he's five. I think a 30 home run season out of catcher. He's improving defense. I think at his best, and again, we're projecting for the 2024 season. I saw the month of May and I saw the month of July. And I think that's a top two catcher in baseball. So we're going to lower that standard a little bit. And I don't think, and I think everyone agrees, he must have gotten shell-shocked in that first month of April that literally killed his stats the entire season. He's not no, that you, bad. You just said the two obvious 
trash months he had. That, that was April. August. Well, August was bad. August was really bad. But August was, was horrendous. Well, and August, so was September. <laughs> September wasn't it's 780 OPS isn't horrific. Oh, okay, never mind. No, that, no. But uh, August was also the time where, if everyone remembers, the Mets were reeling and all of a sudden the playoffs hopes were disappearing and he probably figured, I need to carry this offense because Pete was struggling and the only guy hitting was Lindor. So, David Stearns, message to you, get some bats. Move Alvarez because that was also when Alvarez was pushed up to the two spot in the order and he really struggled. And then they pushed him back down to seven in September and he started getting back to where he's supposed to be. Put him at the bottom of the order, let him hit 30 homers. And if you get a 30 home run season out of a 22 year old catcher, we're on to big and bright things in the future. So, again, is he a top five catcher in baseball right now at this given moment? No. I think based on his 2023 season alone, he's already that pushing top 10 catcher in baseball. So if he has a good full year, that's a top five catcher in baseball. Yeah, I think one of the most important people to him is going to be Pete Alonso. I think Pete Alonso and just where they are able to put him in the order, because I agree with you. I think if they put him at the two hole and they're expecting big things out of him and they're not giving him the time to develop, because I think everyone's kind of misguided, misguided by like, all like the studs, the complete stars that go from their first year and are just Mike Trout-esque and they go and they just rake from their first year on and don't have a down year. That's not the norm. The norm is that in your first couple of years, you kind of wait and you kind of develop and they have you lower in the order. And then by year three or four, you find the adjustments and that's when it starts to click. So I think one of the big things is going to be where he is in the order. I think if Pete Alonso is still there, comes spring training, he gets that extension I know Dylan's hoping for, that Francisco Alvarez could have a really nice year. I think that if he's hitting in the six hole, if he's hitting in the five hole even, I think the five hole is a great spot for him, hitting right behind Pete Alonso. I think if he's in that part of the order, I think he has a large chance of being successful and being in this top 10. I think if he has to hit second batter because the Mets have this – weird sense that even though they traded away a ton of people that are still going to win the world series because they're going to spend a billion dollars then he's going to struggle because i think he still needs time to develop the fernando Tatis popping off his first year the mike trout popping off his first year the adley being the second best catcher in baseball after his first year that's not the normal and to expect every single prospect you bring up to go and just do that i think is unfair and i think if they put Francisco Alvarez in a in a place to fail. I think he's going to fail because I think you get one of those people once in a blue moon. And most guys, they can be really nice players if you just give them time to develop. Like every single other for the last hundred years that we play baseball. Yep, it's a it's an interesting spot because I think this is purely a the stats right now. You could argue either way because May is for sure, and then April is absolutely horrific. But we will get to. We have a couple of our list. Shout out James Tausig, not on the podcast tonight, but he will be joining us going forward. Every one of these top 10 episodes, his list was Adley, William Contreras at two, Sean Murphy, Yiner Diaz. I know James has been really high on him. He's got him at four. Will Smith, Real Muto, Alvarez at seven. Heim, Call Raleigh, and his surprise one that maybe we can talk about a little bit. And Henrik, come to you on this one. Patrick Bailey at number 10, who was a really solid Giants player when he first came up, but the numbers on the season don't look that great yeah i'm pulling up patrick bailey's um the 77 ops plus is staring me in the face right now it has me nervous it's very concerning but also like i think you could sort of say the same thing 
about my Kiba Ruiz pick, right? Like it's this is a very upside heavy pick. And he showed flashes of being that guy, of being the next Buster Posey, right? And obviously, that's a lot of expectations to put on him. Um, but throwing him on your list, I don't. I think, I think it's a defensible take, right? Obviously, if James was here, we'd be able to ask him about it. Mm-hmm. But it's a take that that because we are trying to predict who the top 10 players of next season are going to be, it's yeah. a pick that you can defend, but any higher than 10 would be kind of blasphemous because, yeah, you're right, that 77 does stare in the face. Nico, how about Harry, our other behind-the-scenes guy, deciding to put Mitch Garver on his list at number nine? Mitch Garver, I love Mitch Garver offensively. The big problem with Mitch Garver is that He's had a lot of years where he's raked. He's had that one year with the Twins that we just saw more like this guy may be the best catcher in baseball because it seems like every single ball he hits is 105 miles per hour over target field. Same thing this year when he was DHing for the Rangers. The big question is, one, is he going to stay at catcher? Is he going to be more of a DH? Because he's not very good behind the plate. I think that Jonah Heim was the clear better catcher from a defensive perspective. And the other thing is, what will happen the year after, the two years after he was with the Twins after that offensive year? He really struggled. So I think the big question is, is he going to be able to show that offensive consistency that we value so much in catchers? I think that with a lot of other positions, and we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, at catcher specifically, you value the offensive consistency because when you're not consistent offensively, I'll take the guy who's a little bit subpar at their ceiling offensively when I know they're not going to be abysmal. And that's the big knock on Mitch Garver is that for me is that he's not good enough defensively to have an abysmal catching season, kind of very similar to Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez, when he was Gary Sanchez, you could have him be abysmal at catcher because he was hitting balls over Yankee Stadium into City Field. So it was fine. But once you start being abysmal hitting and abysmal defensively, it, it all goes downhill for you. Say what we've talked about, Yanni Adiris. Say what you want about Martin Maldonado. For a lot of years there, he was seen as a guy who was a good defensive catcher. Because even though he couldn't hit water out of a boat, a lot of guys on the Astros, like pitching to him, obviously wasn't as good defensively this year. But again, a lot of guys get the value out of a consistency at the catcher position. And the big question with Mitch Garver is consistency offensively. Absolutely. And we would like to also shout out all our listeners that submitted lists to us. And we will say, we love getting these and we want to say them all on the podcast for the sake of time. We can't. But the best way to get on the show is to bring the hot takes. David can attest to it. He brought the hot takes in the past and now he's a part-time guy with us. So the hotter your takes, the more likely they are to get noticed and the likelier they are to get involved on episodes. With that in mind, one of our listeners has decided that they want to give a regular segment to us, and they wish to remain anonymous for now, but each week as we continue to do our top 10 list, they've decided that they're going to send us a top 10 best looking at the position. They want to make it clear there is no baseball involved with this ranking. They would like to say they decided this to This is where Nico and I cook. They would like to go to MLB.com <laughs> and ESPN, and they look at the headshots, and that is their top 10 list. So, Here's what me guys need to know about baseball. Yeah, at least still one. Baseball players, guys, baseball, especially side retired, baseball as a whole. So, again, if you know baseball, you know that half of baseball 
is knowing how the guys like there. We got some dudes. We Dansby Swanson. Have you seen Dansby Swanson? That guy is number one. That guy is number one. Well, this is this is catchers, but Dansby Swanson snack. So I, I a, think I have a pic, yeah. I have a shirt with Dansby Swanson's face on it as just a a, a little a little lipstick mark on his face. A, That's how I yeah. feel about Dansby Swanson. Exactly. So would we like to hear the list? Absolutely. So, so uh, the hot take, though, that they'd like to start off with is that Adley Rushman doesn't make the list. Oh, That's my God. God. Is, is oh, the you, first you are horrible take. at your job. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> so without further ado, the top 10 list, according to the anonymous source, at number one, we've got JT Rail Muto. At number two, we've got James McCann. At number three, we're liking the mustache. It's Austin Wells. At number four, it's Austin Barnes. At number Austin five, who? Austin Barnes is number four. Okay. <coughs> Austin Barn or Austin Hedges is at number five. Okay, hold on, hold on. Stop yeah. right there. Stop, right, Stop there. right there. I had the I had the pleasure of meeting Austin Hedges at spring training this year. Okay, great guy. The personality <laughs> only adds to what is a great looking beard. That's all I'll say. At number six, Nico's boy Reese McGuire is making the list. At number no, seven, no. <laughs> at number I, seven, um... it's Mike Zanino. We're gonna want to clip this because at number eight is our boy Yasmani Grandal. Oh my god! At number yes. nine, why does, it's why does the Jonah listener Heim. like forty-five-year-old men? At number you nine, can't... it's Jonah Heim. And rounding things out is Will Smith on this first, and we'll see if it was the last. I can say, I. I've met Yasmani. Thankfully, I was able. I was going to a, a Miami scrimmage, watching watching him play, and I was able to shake his hand and and look him in the eyes. I can just, I I understand why Yasmani's on this list. So I I just okay. Leave it. I I, got I, some... I don't understand why Austin Barnes is on this list and Adley Rutschman is not. Yeah, I don't get the Adley Rutschman. That's we gotta, despicable. If if this is gonna That's be criminal, we gotta have some better takes. Like, I, if you don't want to have Adley number one, I can even That's accept. Hey, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. You want to have him out of the top five? I cannot. What is Adley not doing on this list? Like, Adley is complete husband material. Like, I understand Taylor Swift, and, and she's a little older. I understand that she wanted Travis Kelsey. The guy, the person she should have gone for is Adley. I mean, Adley is just That's a great point. <laughs> great human being like that guy husband material he'll take like, care of you he's a trophy husband like <laughs> like that's when the that's baby's true. crying who's getting up to to get it back to sleep athletes not austin barnes athletes exactly exactly like, <laughs> like again jt number one he's got that smolder like i mean i remember in jumanji he's a, he's a marine seeing the rock with his smolder and you see how powerful that is so i think jt gets some points for the smolder I think I think Hedges Hedges very underrated guy very underrated guy Henry went a little bit into it that beard big Jason Kelsey vibes and you know yeah. Jason Kelsey's on the come up finalist for sexiest man sexiest in America. athlete yeah exactly I think I think that Austin Hedges sneaky phenomenal pick the the only knock on having this is again we we got to be if we're gonna do this consistently we have to have Adley on these lists we have to have the obvious guys I guess I'm here for hot takes but at some point you got to give the obvious guys. I like it. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the guys like this list better than the actual top ten catchers list. But uh, we I have more opinions that, yeah. on this. You, you got more opinions? All right, we'll go for it because we're already pushing. No, no, no. I, just, I have more opinions on this than the actual list. Oh, like talk about WRC plus all you want. 
Let's talk about how guys' eyes look. <laughs> well, this will now, it seems like, be a regular presence on these top 10 lists. We have planned this out perfectly that when pitchers and catchers report, we will be wrapping up this series. We're going to be giving you one of these every single week from now for the rest of the offseason. We do have a couple of great interviews lined up for the rest of this week. We've got Kyle Seeloff, the Marlins play-by-play radio announcer. We've also got some Reds reporters and some D-backs reporters stopping by. So we really appreciate you guys being flexible. I know we were supposed to have an episode uh, up on Monday, but unfortunately stuff happens. But we are here. We'll give you an episode Tuesday through Saturday this week, and then we'll be back and good as ever Monday through Friday. So thank you so much for listening. Top 10 catchers in the books. Adley Rushman is unanimous number one, except for our listener that says he's not a top 10 catcher according to look. But don't worry, we still have him as a top 10 catcher according to baseball abilities. But for Dylan, what actually matters, (laughs) Nico and Henry, until the next time, the side is retired.